Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're going to talk NBA trade deadline with Parker Ainsworth. And we're also looking at the NFL coaching news and a little Super Bowl talk. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Stover. I'm joined as I am most of the time by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good on this winter day. Doing fine. Yes, indeed. The winter weather has been interesting. Uh, We're finally coming out of it. Uh, It's still going to be cold, but in the 40s here after a weekend of rain and ice. uh, I know you guys got some snow and stuff up there, too. But, uh, yes, we're almost to spring, and that's a good reminder that today's episode is presented by Belly Up Fantasy Live's baseball show. Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live from Belly Up Sports uh, will begin February 20th and every Sunday at 8 p.m., Live on the Belly Up Fantasy Facebook and Twitter pages, also on Belly Up TV and the Tiki Live app, you can catch Fantasy Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. Kevin Wilson and myself will bring each week all the best and greatest fantasy baseball coverage, starting off with player rankings all the way through the draft and into the season as well. So, that being said, uh, we have no idea when baseball is going to start this year, <laughs> and we'll just continue to hope. Uh, and wish and pray that it comes uh, not too late. We've talked about that in past episodes. We're not going to talk about that today. Uh, in about 20 minutes or so, Parker Ainsworth from the FN Sports Podcast and BellyUpSports.com is going to join me. We're going to talk um, NBA trade deadline and everything going on uh, with that. But first, me and Dan are going to talk some football. And Dan, I want to start off talking about uh, the coaching situation um, late on, I guess, Thursday night, uh, the Jaguars announced that Doug Peterson is going to be their new head football coach. From my understanding, Byron Leftwich could have had the job if he wanted it. They turned it down, uh, leading them to option number two, which is Doug Peterson. And honestly, that's kind of the number, the order I would have put it in. I think Peterson's probably a better coach than Leftwich, more than likely, but it just made sense for Leftwich to be the coach in Jacksonville. Uh, but nonetheless, they get a Super Bowl winning head football coach. And by the way, he won as a player as well, a Super Bowl. He didn't play, but nonetheless, he was on the team. Um, Doug Peterson, the new coach in Jacksonville. Doesn't this just make a ton of sense for Jacksonville as far as you look at the, um, you know, the, just the atmosphere around the team and everything like that? This seems to be a really good hire for Jacksonville. Yeah, it seems to be a really good fit. He should bring a lot of stability there. I think he'll bring excitement to the players, excitement to the fan base. Um, you know, he should be really good with Trevor Lawrence. It should be a good coach for him. Um, with the contacts he has, he should be able to bring in a really good staff, um, which will be important uh, there. And um, so I, it looked to me like a great hire. Again, I think, you know, left, which would have been good. But I thought from the very beginning, Peterson made a lot of sense there. And um, I think it'll be good for Jacksonville to give them a chance uh, to stabilize and um, do well there. Yeah, you know, he has some success with quarterbacks. I think Carson Wentz's best year was under Doug Peterson. Um, He worked with quarterbacks before that in Philadelphia. Michael Vick kind of re-energized his career with Doug Peterson there in Philadelphia, not as head coach, but as a coordinator. Uh, and quarterbacks coach. And uh, we've seen a lot of good things come from Peterson. They didn't end well in Philadelphia with Peterson, but I don't think it was, I don't know. There's a lot of issues there. Um, nonetheless, he, he comes in, Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jacksonville, everybody knew it, but Jacksonville actually said it. Everything was centered around making it work with Trevor Lawrence. How are we going to do that? We got to bring in the right coach. 
Doug Peterson is the guy uh, to do it. And I mean, when you can hire a Super Bowl winning coach and that Super Bowl wasn't that long ago, what was it four or five years ago? I mean, this seems like a home run hire for Jacksonville and for teams that have messed it up in the past, an organization like Jacksonville that messed it up majorly last year by bringing in Urban Meyer. And again, I admit, I didn't think it was a mistake when it happened. I thought it was going to be a good hire. Um, At the end of the day, it was a mistake. It was a really bad, bad mistake. Doug Peterson comes in. He should bring stability. He should bring maturity. He should bring quarterback savviness. And he should bring some winning back to Jacksonville. Granted, they've got to fill out their roster still. But there are some pieces there. Josh Allen, the defensive uh, edge rusher, is a phenomenal football player. Uh, they got Trevor Lawrence. They've got uh, Robinson at running back. they got ETN, who was hurt this year, uh, there that should be a decent player as well. But their, their offseason, their draft, the trades, the free agency, that's going to be a big deal. And I'm curious, Dad, to see what kind of free agents that maybe Peterson can draw to Jacksonville as well. It seems like he had a pretty good relationship with his players. Yes. I, again, I think having a veteran coach like that would help with um, attracting um, attracting free agents. And again, I'll be very interested as he starts to fill out his staff. I think that will have a lot um, to do with it uh, also. But like I said, there are some pieces there. And um, I'm trying to think if Jacksonville has any extra draft choices in the first couple rounds, but I know they have their picks at least. So. Yeah, I ugh, I don't know. Um, I'll look it up here eventually. But uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. The Vikings are another team, Dad, that um, it's not official yet, but everyone has reported it. Everyone has posted that, that the Vikings job's off the table now as they're going to officially hire the Los Angeles Rams' Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator in Los Angeles. So we talked about this briefly, I think, in our last episode, but um, an interesting hire in Minnesota. They were a team that interviewed Jim Harbaugh and looked like maybe he was a legit contender in Minnesota. But it seems like Kevin O'Connell was the guy they wanted from the get-go, and they're getting the guy that they wanted. Uh, you know, I don't know enough about Kevin O'Connell. I Obviously, some guys who've come out of the McVay uh, setup have have worked, and it's it's been fine. But Minnesota let Kubiak, uh, the young Kubiak, walk out. Um, Kevin O'Connell will come in and, and, and try to revamp this offense here in Minnesota who has some talent, right? Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they, they, there's some skill there. Um, what are your thoughts on Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota? Again, like I said, I, I really don't know a lot about him. Teams have had great success with younger coaches or coaches that are coaching for their first time. And being there in Los Angeles, he has had, you know, a good background. He's seen some good ways to run a team. Um, you know, Minnesota, um, Minnesota is has a lot of talent, like you said. He's going to come in to work with things. He you know, that organization, and again, being a Packer fan, I'm not necessarily a Vikings fan, but um, um, there's some things internally there that, that's never just seemed to me to be real, real settled. Uh, so the question is, can a new coach that has not coached before go in and change the culture and really keep control of the situation there. I think that would be the biggest test for someone that doesn't have experience because I've, I've read from, you know, many new coaches and even coach LaFleur, your first year or two, there's things you don't expect. There's things you really weren't prepared for. And um, Minnesota is a place where I think you've got to have a guy at the top in charge um, and can get things going in a direction. He's got the talent, or, or at least some talent. There's no doubt about that. And it'd be interesting to see who, you know, all the team staffs are starting to take shape now. People are um, promoting people internally or people are moving around. And uh, that'll be real interesting, I think, in the next week or so, because there were so many head coaching changes. Uh, there could be a lot of coordinator changes. So very interesting to see. And some of these veteran coaches that maybe didn't get hired, you know, are they going to be coordinators? Uh, I've heard some things there that, you know, I had just hadn't thought about that that could really um, add to a team also. Yeah. And the disadvantage to getting hired late, like O'Connell, for instance, can't be hired until after the Super Bowl. Now he can already be reaching out and building his staff. And most of those guys, when they're doing interviews already have started to build their staff to some degree, right? They're reaching out to guys and saying, Hey, if I get this job, would you come and be my coordinator? So that happens a lot as well. But getting hired later in the process, 
kind of puts you at a disadvantage compared to some of these other guys that have already been hired. And as they are moving guys over, then those coaches that are losing staff are now hiring other guys. And you're definitely put in an interesting spot here for sure. Minnesota, you know, they also bring in a new general manager, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who comes over from Cleveland, was the vice president of football operations in Cleveland. Um, so Spielman's gone now. It seems like a change, a uh, pretty big change in Minnesota and uh, going just kind of a, a new direction there. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, we're hoping it, it falls flat on its face, but uh, as Packer fans, but, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. There, there is a lot of talent there. I'm intrigued to see what they do at quarterback if they keep Kirk Cousins or try to move them. Um, you know, kind of the direction they go now is going to be really interesting. It would make sense. I would assume Kirk Cousins stays where he's at now because O'Connell, remember his history with McVay, where was McVay from? Washington, the Shanahan tree. That's where Kirk Cousins was drafted. So, uh, it'll, it makes sense that maybe now Kirk Cousins is safer in Minnesota than he was uh, going into this off season. Uh, several teams though, that are still looking for head coaches, three teams left. New Orleans, Houston, and Miami. I want to start with New Orleans, Dan. I think that this is uh, either going to be Bienemy or Leftwich. I felt like Leftwich was choosing between Jacksonville and New Orleans. Um, he also could be waiting for that Tampa job to come open. Maybe Arians retires, or maybe Arians goes one more season. But with Brady gone, if they don't bring in another big veteran quarterback like a, a Wilson or something like that, you know, maybe Arians is done too. And and, uh, and and we see Leftwich take over in Tampa. But uh, New Orleans is an interesting job. They don't have a quarterback at the moment. Uh, they can obviously get one. They can trade for one of the big names as well or draft somebody or whatever it may be. They're just not the same as they were even two, three years ago. Uh, they still have Alvin Kamara, who's really good. But outside of that, they're, they're, they're a very different team than what they were. Uh, interviews were Dennis Allen, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Flores, Aaron Glenn, who was there before he's a Lions DC uh, left, which Peterson was in the running. And then Darren Rizzi, who is the special teams coach for uh, new Orleans. To me, it just makes sense to be the enemy or left, which is new Orleans job that you look at and go, yeah, that's a really good job. Or is it one of those middle of the, the, the road or even lower level uh, road that, you know, it just isn't, it isn't what, it, you know, what it used to be. Um, well, you know, I don't know if it's what it used to be again, when you think now of the new Orleans saints, I think you think of it as an organization where, uh, they could attract people. One of the problems, maybe you are following Sean Payton. So it's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be some comparisons, at least as far as success is concerned there. Um, but I, again, it, it looks like a good place. I think the two guys you mentioned, that makes sense. Uh, that'd be one of those two. I'm a little surprised they haven't hired anybody. So I think, you know, they would know what they want because I would think the saints are a place, you know, even financially they can go out and get, um, who they want there. So it seems like it would be, um, a good job. Again, when you look at the division, um, you know, Carolina is rebuilding. Atlanta had a better year this year, but they're not super strong. And I don't think there's any doubt the Buccaneers are going to be a different team now um, without Brady. So that's probably not a bad division um, to get into at this point, um, you know, for a coach. And they do need to do something with quarterback, and that will be interesting to see because we have talked about different quarterbacks, even when you mentioned Kirk Cousins. You know, there's people that could move around around and um it'll be interesting to see what the philosophy is you know again this doesn't look like a great draft for quarterbacks but even when there's been years when there wasn't a great draft maybe one of the top two or three guys you know will be a surprise and could pan out so it depends it'll be interesting to see where they go but again everything is you know all the um the Senior Bowl, all that stuff, East-West Shrine, all that was this week. So scouting is in full force. We'll have the combine here before long. So I would think all these teams, you know, will and should get their coach in place because there's a lot to be, um, you know, this is a time when everybody's hustling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Miami's another job that's open. Two guys that have done second interviews, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers, offense coordinator Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, uh, it seems like Mike McDaniel has been the name, uh, that has been the most prevalent when it comes to Miami. But that being said, 
you know, they haven't hired anybody yet, and they've had plenty of time to do so. They also interviewed Thomas Brown, the Rams assistant. Uh, Dayball got hired by the Giants. Frazier, Leslie Frazier, the Bills, D.C. Vance Joseph, the Cardinals, D.C. And Dan Quinn, the Cowboys, D.C., who said he's staying in Dallas. Uh, to me, Mike McDaniel still makes the most sense, but the fact that they haven't worked out a deal with him yet makes me wonder if, if things aren't going as smoothly as Miami would hope they would have gone, especially with all the Flores news that came out uh, recently as well. So uh, Miami, to me, though, is a pretty solid job. I, you know I'm not a huge Tua fan, but it seems like if you're going to go somewhere, the weather, and they've got some decent talent in Miami as well uh, from what they've been able to do here recently. So uh, thoughts on the Dolphins job? Like you said, like we talked last week, you know, the, the Miami thing is maybe a little bit of a mess internally. Mm -hmm. um, so, but they need to get a coach and a coach may go in there. They do have some talent to work with. Um, they are in a position, again, um, in their division, you've got some teams, I think, up and coming, you know, with the Jets and, of course, the Patriots surprised everybody. And Buffalo is a very strong team. But they had a lot of you know, they had talent. There was no doubt about it. And it'd be interesting to see. Um, Kellen Moore, to me, is an interesting name because he's been a kind of a hot name um, around. And, you know, when you talk about building excitement and um, a guy that's supposed to be a young guy, now whether he's, you know, again, you know, I guess all most of the guys you mentioned would all be new, new head coaches. So they're going to have to deal with that situation uh, in Miami the first time. But, um, you know, I, I thought originally Kellen Moore would be one that probably would get one of these jobs just because of the profile and some things there. But um, we will see. My Miami does have talent. Um, I, I'm a higher on Tua than you are, but whether he's a franchise quarterback, um, I'm not sure. But they have talent in a lot of other spots. And I think they have, you know, have some good defensive talent. And um, so it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, and if I remember right, Kellen Moore, I think it's left-handed, and two is left-handed. Uh, so you get a left-handed quarterback that comes in to coach a left-handed quarterback. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something you consider. I don't know. Uh, I've always heard left-handed quarterbacks can't make it in the NFL with uh, Steve Young being like the one. Steve Young was left-handed, right? He was like, yes, he was. Yeah, I think he was the one kind of outlier when it comes to left-handed quarterbacks. There haven't been a lot of successful like Hall of Fame, I don't. I, is there any? Do you know? Is there any left-handed quarterbacks other than Steve Young in the Hall of Fame? I was trying to think real quick. Um, it doesn't jump out. Seems like there's maybe one more good left-handed quarterback. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, but I, I'll have to do a little thinking and see if I can come up with that. So yeah, well, we didn't talk about it pre-show, so uh, so we're ready for that one. But <laughs> it just hit me. I thought Kel, I think Kellen Moore is left-handed, and okay, I don't know. I think I you I don't know where that one's going to end up. That'll be interesting to see. As well, the other one is Houston. I can't believe Houston would be a good job. Uh, they don't have anybody on the roster. There's questions about the quarterback. I mean, they drafted a guy last year in what the fourth round, and he looked okay for him that of Stanford. And and uh, you know, not great, but not bad. And and maybe there's a little bit of a future there where you don't have to focus on quarterback this year and continue to build that roster and something like that. They uh, uh, of course interviewed Flores. Um, he had a second interview even. I'm not sure that he can get a job right now with Sue in the, the league. Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, he's also done two interviews uh, there. Joe Lombardi, the Chargers offensive coordinator. Josh McCown, uh, former quarterback, current high school football coach. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors that that's who they want. Uh, and then Heinz Ward interviewed for the head coaching job as well. Uh, he's currently at Florida Atlantic, but uh, uh, an interesting interview there. They've kind of gone where they're going to have to go, right? There's not a lot of veteran coaches that say, yeah, I want in at Houston. So you're getting these guys that want a first first opportunity. But of course, that happened last year and they fired the coach after one year. Boy, this job would scare, scare me to death if I was going in to be head coach at Houston. Yes. Um, I mean, it, you know, there, there's not a lot in some ways to work with, depending again, you know, whether you get, um, you know, Deshaun Watson back. But um um, but again, I mean, you know, they'll be starting Houston did better last year than we thought, even though they didn't do great. So, um, you know, there's, I, there's definitely a fan base. There's definitely a place, you know, there for the Houston Texans. And again, they're not in a super strong division in some ways. So, uh, be interesting to see who they get. I did a little quick looking up in this left-handed quarterback and the guy I was trying to think of, I knew there was a guy back there, Ken Stabler. 
Ken ah. Stabler was left-handed, and Boomer Esiason. Can't believe we forgot about Boomer. <laughs> um, and Mark Brunel and Michael Vick are names that came up. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, so I guess there's some out there for sure, uh, but not as you know, not as many, obviously, as uh, successful, especially Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame guys. There, there's a couple there. Um, back to Houston, I think it's going to be Jonathan Gannon or Josh McCown uh, that end up being there. Neither one of them experienced. Uh, neither one of them going to have a great, great opportunity. I mean, I, I just I think it's a dangerous place to be. Uh, we're running out of time. We got Parker coming on here soon, but Dad, I do want to mention Green Bay is in the running for, uh, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong now, the former Las Vegas interim head football coach for the special teams coordinators at Basaccia. I always forget how to say his name. Nonetheless, they're in the running for him as their special teams coach. It sounds like it's just coming down to money. If they pay him enough, he'll come. If not, he'll go somewhere else. The biggest need, other than solving the Aaron Rodgers crisis, is having someone that can handle special teams. And he is, in recent years, one of the best in the business at special teams. Do you think the Packers get this deal done, or do you think they end up having to go somewhere else? I think there's a good chance they'll get it done. Again, I've been reading a little bit, and internally, it's always been kind of a criticism of the Packers that that's where they tried to save money was in the special teams coach. And, um, you know, when they hired Meninga, there was another guy who everybody wanted, but supposedly that, you know, the Packers wouldn't pay him enough. I think there's a good chance here. Um, a lot of their other assistants have been internal promotions. Um, it's, it's definitely something they have to address. Um, so I think it would come down to money. Um, LaFleur, I'm sure, you know, I know has met with him and has talked with him. And there'd have to be some agreements, you know, philosophy-wise. But, again, he's a very good special teams coach, so I would think that would be what they want. Yeah, I was very interested when I saw his name pop up the last couple of days. And I think as a Packer fan, we'd be excited to get somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, he's apparently really good friends with the defensive coordinator, uh, best friend with the defense coordinator's father-in-law or something like that. Um, so who knows? There's a little bit of connection there as well. All right, Dad, usually we spend the whole hour together, but we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Parker Ainsworth is going to join me. I have to give you a warning that uh, me and Parker recorded this, this interview on Sunday afternoon before trades started to come in. So, so uh, the uh, the Cavs and the Pacers have made a trade since we recorded the interview. So we won't talk. You'll, you'll hear us talk a little bit about some players' names. You go, did they get traded? Yes, they did. Uh, but we'll, we're going to get you the interview with Parker Ainsworth. First, again, we want to remind you about the Sports Podcast Awards. And uh, here's a quick word on that. What's going on, Belly Up Sports fans? Thanks for tuning in to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We have some really exciting news for several Belly Up Podcast Network shows. The Sports Stove Podcast, the Rough Cut Sportscast, and here in Puckburg have all been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com and make sure to vote for the Sports Stove Podcast for Best College Sports Podcast and Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. Vote for the Rough Cut Sportscast for Best American Football Podcast and vote for here in Puckford for Best Winter Sports Podcast. Again, that website is sportspodcastawards.com. Thanks for being the best part of Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. Welcome back into the Sports Stove. We are joined now by the host of the FN Sports Podcast, a podcast where teachers grade sports takes, and writer and uh, basketball head for Belly Up Sports, bellyupsports.com, Parker Ainsworth. Parker, thanks for being back on with us. For sure, man. Always happy to come on and talk some hoops. It's a fun show to be a part of. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, you're a big Rockets guy. Uh, you know, you got the uh, covering the Rockets, of course, for Belly Up Sports, amongst other NBA things as well. We'll get a little bit to uh, Rocket's name here in just a minute. But I want to start off, we're talking NBA trade deadline and everything that's going on in the NBA right now. And uh, the most recent trade that happened was the Clippers in Portland. My first thought when I saw it was, that doesn't seem like a fair trade. So uh, the Clippers got Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Uh, Portland gets back Eric Bledsoe, Big Blue Nation. Uh, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 25 uh, second round pick. And I've seen a couple of your comments about this trade as well. So let's start... Talking about that, to me, Robert Covington and Norman Powell, both of those players are better than any player Portland got back and definitely better than a second-round pick. So what's going on with that trade? Yeah, I think it's interesting you look at it 
I mean, obviously, if you follow me on Twitter at, at Paints512, all my stuff on this has been, I think, the Clippers win this big time. Um, I think it's interesting to think about what does this mean is happening uh, with both teams, frankly, right? Uh, Norm Powell is a great rotational guard. He's a he's kind of a bigger guard. Robert Covington can be a small ball five or a, like, you know, swing four. Um, both are very versatile guys that will do a lot of things in L.A. Um, I think it's interesting to look at, too, that the Clippers, you know, obviously Kawhi Leonard still coming back from injury and Paul George been in and out of the lineup for the year now. Um, truthfully, they could line up with like five guys between like six, five and six, nine that are all like versatile, cover a lot of positions, super, super cool lineup when they're all healthy and ready to go. But also they could move off of coming Covington this off season and not re-sign him and just keep Norm Powell and, you know, run it with Zubak or whomever. I, I think that it, it's interesting to see how that works out. That's all fun. We know the Clippers are trying to contend. The interesting side of this to me is this looks like Portland selling. And honestly, I wouldn't say they're doing it well. Uh, they, they traded a first round pick for Covington. And in the package they got back for him, they got a second round future pick and some guys that were having trouble finding minutes on the Clippers. Like, like I, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I will say that it looks like, you know, getting rid of Norman Powell looks like a selling move. So I assume that there's some selling plan but I can't imagine that they took a whole lot of phone calls on Norm Powell because they had to have gotten a better package than this from somewhere else. They <laughs> took a bunch. Um, I, I'm a fan of Justice Winslow from his college days. I think he's a very versatile guy, but he's hasn't grown into that guy in the pros yet. You know, so unless you some sort of re- reclamation project, you know, we'll see. Um, you're a Kentucky or state of Kentucky guy. So, you know, all about blood. So, but like, <laughs> When I think of Bledsoe, I don't think of Kentucky. I think about the the scary Terry Rozier series in the playoffs a couple years back where Terry Rozier wrote, wore a Drew Bledsoe jersey in to kind of mock Eric Bledsoe, like no one's heard of you or whatever. Um, that That's kind of my take on it. I, I, I just I don't know what they're doing in Portland unless they're getting ready to do something really big potentially in the next week. That's kind of what I was wondering too is I, I think you go two different routes with Portland too because, you know, they still got two stars on the team and they've got decent, you know, Nurkic is there too. So you've got some, some players, they could still make a big swing to try to bring someone in and be a good team still, or uh, as what it looks like, they're selling off guys. So, you know, where does that leave things? Damian Lillard, it seems like every time he talks, it sounds like he wants to stay there. And what do you use the, the metaphor recently going down with the ship and, you know, he's there for it. C.J. McCollum seems more available at the moment, but surely there's a package if somebody offers it that Lillard could be gone too. So let's go ahead and transition to Portland. Uh, if they sell, do you think Lillard's going somewhere else, or at least there's, I'm sure there's at least a possibility, but do you think he's going somewhere else, or do you think McCollum is more of the piece that's getting moved? So Portland, the deal to me is that, you know, Dame Lillard may want to go down the ship, like you're saying, and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, the the deal is, is it hasn't worked having two guards that are great offensive players under six foot five that thus lack some size defensively has not worked. And I think whether or not Dame wants to stay or go, you're going to see the franchise kind of figure something else out. Um, obviously, we all like watching Dame Lillard play basketball. He's a tremendous basketball player, a lot of heart. It's cool to see a guy like want to play with the same team his whole career and all that. So you want him to go somewhere that wants to win. He's a California kid. He's from Oakland. That's where he wears number zero, right? And and those kinds of things. Uh, I I wonder if there's some move where like they take on the Russell Westbrook salary because uh, they they cut some salary in this deal. Uh, do they take on the Russell Westbrook salary to send Lillard to L.A. because L.A. could also we'll talk more about trades on the line, but L.A. will also probably do something if LeBron's history tells us anything. Um, <laughs> C.J. McCollum's a little cheaper, and and maybe that's the route. Um, He's obviously not quite the offensive player that Dan Lillard is, but CJ McCollum, you could also see, you know, moving to somewhere and being an immediate impact on a winning team when he gets to be kind of the defensive liability on the floor, because with him, like I said, with him and Lillard out there at the same time, it's like, well, then we're going to play the Mavs and who covers six, seven Luka Doncic, right? Like, like all of a sudden you've got rid of those kind of problems when you have those two small guards out there. Um, I know Lillard, you know, broke my rocket's heart back in whatever that was like 2014. Uh, I'd like to see him go somewhere fun and have a competitive chance to win because when they made those two deep runs and his time in Oakland or his time in, uh, sorry, in Portland, it really felt like a lot of fun and he makes buzzer beaters. He makes big plays. He has the Dame time trash talking aspect. He's a fun basketball player. Um, I, 
I would look at that up and down the West Coast kind of stuff first. Um, there's, of course, talk about him heading back East. There's Sixer talk dating back to the offseason before the year started between he or CJ McCollum involved in some sort of a Ben Simmons deal. Uh, the number would probably, the math would probably work out better for McCollum, but I'm sure that Philly would rather have Lillard. And so that becomes like, how do you lump more guys in? Because outside of Simmons, it's like, do you throw uh, Tobias Harrison? But that actually adds up to be closer to $70 million. And so then you got to throw in more than just Dame Lillard and, and that back and forth. Um, and so we'll see where that all shakes out. But I, would not be shocked to see one or both moved in the next five or six days just because it looks like they're selling. And if they're not moved in the next five or six days, certainly this summer. Um, Portland is currently 10th in the West and would probably benefit to just bottom on out. Uh, 10th in the West, I guess, technically makes the play-in tournament this year. Yeah. Um, but that's you're not, you're not paying $70 million to two guards to be 10th in the West. That's just not what you're doing. Yeah. Lillard, for me, so I'm a big fan of guys staying. So Dirk Nowitzki... Uh, so far, Giannis seems to be kind of that guy as well. And to me, that's just like, that's the best storyline is I stuck it out. And But how many championships are you going to get? Or is he ever going to get one in Portland uh, is is a huge question mark as well. And, you know, it's going to have to be a complete change of thought process for Portland to go that route. Can they do it? I don't know. Um, you know, McCollum, good player. He can get moved. I'm surprised McCollum isn't valued more than he is across the league. Um, and when I heard, you know, last year, hey, McCollum Simmons kind of a deal, I thought, hey, that's a pretty good get back for the Sixers, but they've obviously wanted a whole lot more than CJ McCollum. Uh, and 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 I can understand wanting Dave Lillard over CJ McCollum, uh, but you also have to be realistic at the same time. And and you've been around, I mean, you and Daryl Morey are best the best friends, but uh, <laughs> um, Morey's time in Houston, he was, he was able to accomplish a lot, bring in some guys, make some trades, make some things happen that a lot of people probably didn't think he was able to do. Is it, That's kind of transitioning, I guess, then to, to Ben Simmons, but is Maury going to be able to actually get what he wants for Ben Simmons, or is he eventually going to settle for something less? Well, it's fascinating because at this point in the year, Ben Simmons is a zero production player. He's not on the floor, right? Okay. So anything back is actually better than you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It, if you haven't studied what Darren Morey's done in the past, Darren Morey's biggest thing on every team he's been a part of when he was an assistant front office guy in Boston or in his time in Houston has been find stars, figure out the rest later. Right. And so he goes to Philly and he's got these two all-stars under 25 and the theory becomes figure the rest out. Right. Obviously the Ben Simmons thing is soured, but Thinking of Daryl Morey as trading an all-star for anything less than an all-star would be counter counterintuitive to everything he's done. And frankly, I, in looking at what he's done in the past, would strike me as a loss. I mean, that that's not what the Celtics did when they built their big three. That's not the Rockets did when they brought in. First it was Dwight, then it was Chris Paul, then it was Russell Westbrook. Like that, That's just not what they do. Um, and so when I look at Daryl Morey, I assume he's going for more of a Dame Lillard. I'm sure we'll talk in a moment that there was a rumor on Friday at leak that there was some talk about, you know, James Harden. He and Morey obviously are very close. Um, I I have to imagine the thing that they'd want to do would be Dame Lillard. The money then you start matching stuff up. But Morey has always said, I'll get two or three big names, big contracts, and get a bunch of minimum guys to fill out around it, and we'll see what happens. And, you know, I know that the Rockets did not win a championship. I would say that getting to a bunch of Western Conference finals was, it's not unsuccessful. It's certainly not as as successful, but it's not unsuccessful, right? Um, And so, frankly, making it to a couple of Eastern Conference championships would probably be welcome into Philly right now. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we'll see where that goes. I'm sure that they're talking for Dame Lillard. Um, McCollum just, for as good as he is, and frankly, he's getting paid, it looks like in the 23-24 season, he'll be making $35 million. that's a lot of money for a guy that is maybe, you know, on a really good team, a number three. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I not, not to say that he's not very good, but like he'd be the third best player on a number of the teams in the top, like the warriors. He'd probably be the third best player. The Suns, he'd be in that second, third best player. Chicago, he'd probably be the second, third best player. Like those kinds of teams at the top of the conferences right now. He, that's just where he is. And yeah. um, we see what Philly will do, but, I would imagine that they're calling about Lillard, not McCollum, unless they throw in Harris and do some giant massive swap, I guess. Yeah. And 
you know, there are a lot of talk. It seems like a lot of trades that I've seen posted as possibilities. It's always Simmons and like Simmons and Maxi, Simmons and somebody else, um, you know, and to this point, it looks like Daryl Morey said, no, here's the price. Someone's going to pay it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, maybe they will. It just seems like, and I'm, I, you know, I am not a Ben Simmons fan. I've never been a Ben Simmons fan. I watched him in college. And for me, if you're a superstar, you go to the tournament and he didn't go to the tournament. And, but I, I have to admit with all this here at the end of last year, the stuff that doc said, the stuff that MB said, I actually started to kind of side with Simmons a little bit. And I thought, yeah, if I was this guy, I wouldn't be playing for this team either. I mean, they totally trashed him. And they, granted, he's earned some of that. But it's I'm surprised with how um, unsmart, how un, uh, under the blanket kind of they went with their, their criticism of, of Simmons. And they really put the team, it seems like, in a hard situation to get rid of him. He's a phenomenal talent defensively, passing the ball, uh, athletically. He's great, but mentally, ugh, that's where that's where it gets scary with Ben Simmons. But there is a team out there for him. There's a right fit. There's a right coach. There has to be for the amount of talent that he has that can make the most out of who who he is. I compared him with. Uh, I was talking with a guy today, a Toronto fan, um, but I compared him with Boris Diaw. I said he's Boris Diaw, but he's more athletic and can't shoot as as good. <laughs> that's kind of where his 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 plus side is right now. Um, I don't know. Put him with Dan Tony, even though he's nowhere right now. Put him with Dan Tony, and he he'll figure something out with him, right? <laughs> well, and I, the Ben Simmons thing to me, I, I like what you said. Like, regardless of what you thought about him before the Sixers drama of the last nine or ten months, he's not blameless in the Sixers drama of the last nine or ten months. But I think everyone can understand this idea of like my workplace just trashed me publicly. I don't want to go back to work there anymore. Like, I think that everyone yeah. can, can like feel something there. And you know that the whole time, Daryl Morey at the GM is just pulling his hair out. Like, stop talking. Everyone stop talking. <laughs> uh, turn off the power. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk James Harden. Um, again, another close personal friend of yours. Um, Harden, uh, Harden is being linked to, Philadelphia he has been since he was in Houston, but uh, you know, Steve Nash has said, we're not trading James Harden. He's on this team. He wants to be here. We want him here. Um, the Brooklyn situation and they're doing fine. Hasn't seemed to work yet. And maybe Kyrie's been the bigger part of that. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, do you think Harden gets moved here before the trade deadline? Or do you think they'll stick it out this year? I think what's interesting is this continues to be a, where there's smoke, there's fire kind of situation. Um, so obviously if you look at the numbers of the big three, James Harden has played the most games. He's been a part of, since he showed up in Brooklyn, he's been the bigger part of the team. Durant's had a couple injuries. Kyrie Irving this season, you know, obviously he didn't get the jab. And so he hasn't been able to play in home games. Um, although there's some talk about, is it going to be worth the fine eventually to just start playing him? Um, I, I think it's worth pointing out that like Harden and Durant were the friendship here. That was the crux of this was Harden and Durant were, you know, 20 year old kids playing in Oklahoma City together and thus friends. And that was the link to get him to Brooklyn. He and Nash worked together in off seasons. That was the link to get him to Brooklyn. D'Antoni was an assistant coach there, is no longer an assistant coach there. He's, I think, he's heading towards just retiring straight out. Um, those things are all gone now. And it's him and this guy that won't play. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, not. We'll go on these like Instagram live types of, you know, metaphorical this, that, and the other. And James like, dude, just show up and go to work. And I, I don't, I don't mean to persuade people about whether or not I should get the jab or then a workplace should tell you to get the jab, whatever. There are a lot of pro athletes that did get it just to be able to play across sports. Right. And whether or not you agree with James, he clearly has some inkling of, you know, Kyrie Irving needs to do that Kyrie Irving why why are all these other guys doing that and you're not um and so I again I'm gonna come off as the biggest you know defender and whatever of James Harden for all of his flaws James Harden plays basketball games he'll play with a broken wrist he'll play with a strained hamstring he'll play with a whatever he will play basketball games and I think he's looking around like Durant can't play this dude won't play what am I doing here? Um, his contract, he's got a player option for the summer. So that means he doesn't have to come back. 
And I think that the reason you're seeing these trade talks are because theoretically he could opt out in June and never come back again. And they lose him for nothing. So if there are inklings that he's unhappy and again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Why would you not try and get Ben Simmons back again? It's better than the nothing you could get back in June. Mm-hmm. Um, they have resigned Irving. They have resigned Durant. They have not extended James Harden. And you know, I I would sure opt back in for forty seven million dollars next season, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of where I'm living and what tax bracket puts me in. I think I would sign on for half of uh, forty seven million dollars. Yeah. But for this guy, you know, I I wonder if that's not high on his priority list. Um, so. That, that's a long way to get around to. I do think that there's something to be said about Philly, obviously, whether it's Maury's value of Harden being exponentially higher than everyone else's or or whatever, um, being a possible trade candidate here. Again, if you're losing a zero production player in Ben Simmons, bring back in a former MVP is as good as you could ever hope for. Um, if you're Brooklyn and you're going to lose this guy over the summer for nothing, Theoretically, you're now going to bring in a guy that signed on for like three or four more years. Depending on the, I think the last one's a player team option, I forget. And three or four more years of a guy that, you know, while he's not going to shoot the ball a lot, you've got Durant and, and Irving. Do you need him to shoot the ball a lot? You know, I, I think that over the summer, everyone looked at Golden State as the best option for Ben Simmons because of the shooting he's surrounded with there. Durant and Irving is probably the next best pair you could surround him with as far as like he could be a point forward that doesn't have to worry about shooting the ball. He's running the offense. I think that's as good as it gets. Um, I I think it's an intriguing trade. I will say that, you know, it's not a great look for James Harden to be wearing a third jersey in 15 months. <laughs> uh, I, I certainly make fun of Russell Westbrook for doing the same. Um, and yeah. so... I understand why people are frustrated by it, uh, but I, I really I think that there's something to it, and I think it makes sense, um, even if it's just testing the waters, because there's a real chance that it all again he leaves for nothing this summer, and can you really risk that if you're Brooklyn, because you've traded away all your draft capital for him, you traded away all your little pieces for him, like you you invested everything in this big three, and if if you got 18 months of it and a second round exit with you know, Milwaukee, that's not really what you were banking on. That's not what you were trying to build in New York. So I don't know. I, I would put something to it. We'll see if it ends up happening or not. I think, I think Ben Simmons moved somewhere. I we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you know, you, you said at Brooklyn, you add Ben Simmons to that team. He brings defense. Uh, He brings something different than what you really have right now. And I I trust Steve Nash. I trust him to to make it work. if, If that's where they end up going. I, I, I'm a huge Steve Nash fan. I grew up a Phoenix Suns fan, Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley, Dan Marley days. Um, but then when Nash came along after the kid days, you know, Nash was the savior. And even though they didn't get to a championship, what he did on the floor and how he worked with Mike D'Antoni, he was clearly ready to coach. And uh, he spent a couple of years helping teams and things like that. Now he's in Brooklyn. And I think if you give him the chance to coach more, because I think with the big three that they have currently, it makes it harder to coach because it's kind of like, all right, here's these three guys. He's still coaching, but there's, you know, what's going to happen. One of these three guys is going to shoot the ball. <laughs> so uh, you bring in a, a piece now that you can add. It really helps them defensively in Ben Simmons. I think it'd be great, especially if you can add another piece with it, a, a, a Maxi, uh, a Thibault, uh, somebody else that comes in with Ben Simmons. Um, you could really bolster that Nets team to be, in, you know, they're already dangerous, but even if you take James Harden off, you could still, make that team incredibly dangerous in the playoffs, especially when they get to it. Um, and and I trust Steve Nash to make it work, however however it falls. Um, speaking of Houston ties, a name that looks like he's getting moved sometime here before the deadline is Eric Gordon. And uh, he has an opportunity to go to a team and be that missing piece that comes in and kind of completes a team off. I've heard Cleveland come up a lot for Eric Gordon, but uh, I'm sure there's other places out there you you cover the Rockets. Um, I don't know if you're an Eric Gordon fan or not, but uh, what do you see happening with him? Oh, obviously, I really liked Eric Gordon as a Rocket. He's been um, he's been a great player for us for a while now. And frankly, on those you know, he is pretty integral off of the bench. Um, as I look at teams for him, the reason that Cleveland makes the most sense is because 
they have this salary of Ricky Rubio that is not being used that they can just slough into the trade and almost matches up perfectly. Cleveland's ahead of schedule as far as their rebuild goes. Garland has developed much quicker than they needed. Uh, Evan Mobley looks like the real deal, maybe rookie of the year kind of guy. Uh, Jared Allen is performing very, very well as this big man. Um, and so like Eric Gordon kind of puts them from that five, seven, eight spot in the West into that one, two, three, four spot uh, because that's great shooting and defense and versatility off the bench. Um, and the salaries match up with Rubio. The big deal at Houston has been Raphael Stone, the GM has been very adamant that the price is a first round pick. Salary is going to be swapped, but a first round pick. And if you're Cleveland, yes, you're ahead of schedule. Are you in a position to throw in a first round pick yet? Because you are really young and developing and typically young and developing teams want to hold on to those first round picks. Um, The other teams you'll be seeing will be things like, uh, you know, Charlotte, you know, do they want to put him around LaMelo and kind of help space the floor there? Uh, kind of in the same boat as Cleveland as far as that goes. I really wonder if there will be some more of a three-team type of deal where you see him moving to one of these con- – excuse me, one of these teams we thought were going to be a contender that has not, be that mm-hmm. the Lakers, you know, uh, be that Brooklyn, uh, or be that wherever, where you see a team that is probably behind schedule, right? We thought that they'd be a contender and is not, is not there yet. Um, and some sort of a three-team deal that gets Houston a pick because – Again, Stone said something this weekend about we prefer a pick and the teens are better. I mean, it's he really is adamant that his price tag on Eric Gordon is a first-round pick and a good one. And Cleveland can do that. It's just whether or not they want to. Um, and I, I could see both sides of whether or not they want to. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, he's been around the block a couple times, uh, a few different places. He's in Boston. Doesn't seem like they're set on keeping him, uh, looking to move him. He's, he's a little pricey, if I remember correctly. Um, but he seems like he's one of those pieces that if you add him again, playoff contender, a team like Phoenix, a team that, you know, just needs a little bit more depth, uh, at a point guard, even the two guard spot. Schroeder's the kind of guy, if, if you're not dependent on him to be the guy or even the top, you know, two or three guys, he's your number four, five, six option. Uh, it seems like he could add a lot to a contending team. Uh, I'm assuming he's getting moved, but, uh, what do you think Boston can get back for him? Well, so you talk about teams that are underperforming. Boston has got to be one of them, right? Uh, yeah. It looks like they're going to be trying ducking the the luxury tax line and moving Schroeder would help. You mentioned how how pricey he can be. He's not as pricey he thought he was going to be, but it, certainly um, he's certainly making a chunk of change. I could see Schroeder being a, like you mentioned, we talked about him after Eric Gordon, so it's kind of funny, but like a sixth or seventh man on a really good team, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that comes in off the bench in Phoenix, like you mentioned, four Chris Paul or Devin Book, either one and kind of keeps the ship afloat while those guys get their 12 minutes of rest or whatever. Right. Um, what I don't know is what, if Boston is really trying to duck the tax, which again, if you're an owner, the tax can get pretty pricey. Once you're over the line, you're now paying $2 for on every dollar you're spending in tax bill. And so like that, that adds up. Um, do they really try and get under him by moving him to Phoenix and what can they get back? And what is Phoenix really willing to give up and, and all of those things. Um, you could also see it if it's a strictly tax move, he might go somewhere that doesn't need him like San Antonio and they'll throw some second round pick or something to make it where San Antonio is wild just to, because Boston is trying to really get under the tax. Um, yeah. There, there are tax repeater issues. So if you've been over the tax a number of years as a team like Boston will have been, then it, it hits you harder and harder. Um, and so a, as weird as that is to think, I feel like Schroeder's going to go to one of two things, a contender that really needs him off the bench or a team that's looking to draft in the top 10 that doesn't need him at all. Like, and I don't, I don't know which one he ends up on. Um, Again, could LA, I mean, talk about the Lakers, the Lakers could really use a guy like that uh, somewhat ironically, but he's not there anymore. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Lakers are an interesting squad. Um, And I have to say this, and I didn't plan on going down a LeBron path today, but I'm, I've not been a huge LeBron guy. Uh, I think he's an incredible basketball player, and I respect the things he does off the, off the court. Uh, I think he's a horrible GM. And I feel like here in these last couple of years, maybe now with the exception of the Russell Westbrook, but leading up to that, I felt like he's let them, once they got Anthony Davis, he's kind of let them build the team. 
uh, until the Russell Westbrook move. And, and then we've seen how that's turned out as well. So uh, so there's a, a slightly positive thing about LeBron. I don't talk about him positively very often. Um, Team-wise, the couple of teams that intrigue me is the New York Knicks. Uh, Randall came out this, this past week and said, I'm ready to go uh, somewhere else. And I'm a huge Julius Randall fan, being a Kentucky fan, big time Julius Randall fan. Um, the Knicks last year, you know, overachieved. They looked phenomenal. That team that everybody could cheer for and that maybe there was some hope for excitement in New York again. Then they bring in uh, Kimball Walker. Uh, you know, they don't make the big move. Uh, that, that kind of solidifies what that team can be. Um, you know, I've heard De'Aaron Fox's name mentioned. Uh, anybody that has a Kentucky tie is being tied to New York these days. But Randall's <laughs> on the ones out. Uh, what are the Knicks going to do here at the trade deadline? I don't know because the deal is Randall makes, and, and I also really like Julius Randall. The deal is he makes very like high caliber all-star type of money. And I don't know of a team that is willing to swap all-stars. And I don't know of a team, you know, it, that is, is going to send someone else or send the multiple pieces it'll take. Sac Sacramento makes some interesting sense. You mentioned uh, Fox. I, I would actually weirdly want to have both Fox and Randall on the floor at the same time. So I don't know if that means they maybe move healed or something else. But if I look at teams that have the money to do it, um, it's it's not going to be a contending team. And I think the shame there is that we saw last postseason, even though they only won the one playoff game, basketball is more fun when New York's good. Like when the games yeah. in the garden are close competitive games, basketball is just more fun. And uh, Randall's been a big part of that for the last 18 months. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned you like him because he's a Kentucky guy. He's a he's a state of Texas guy. I love the guy. Um, he's a DFW product and and a great basketball player. Um, I I wish he'd land in a spot where he's the second or third best player, and then they're really good all of a sudden. But none of those teams, I think, are going to ship a guy to New York. And and so then the deal is is like then he ends up in Sacramento is probably the best player on the floor and it's really just kind of the same team all over again and yeah. um uh, you know funny thing would be something like New Orleans because he was there for a brief second as well mm -hmm. um I I don't know that they're willing to part with Brandon Ingram and start blowing that up either they're I think they're still holding on to like when Zion comes back healthy we'll be back so we'll see um but I I could see it being you know, does he go to a Washington in some sort of a deal? Uh, if they, you know, we hadn't mentioned Bradley Beal's name yet. If anyone can right. get Bradley Beal, that's a big, that's as big a splash as you'll get in the yeah. next week. And um, whether that's Philadelphia or whether, you know, we mentioned what's LeBron, Le, GM LeBron going to do or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know that they're going to ship him off Bradley Beal for Julius Randle though. So what's yeah. the, who are you, who are you, are you getting back a bunch of Kuzma type pieces? Like, what are you really doing? You know? And, and what does that help for New York? So I will say he upset New York fans. And so he's probably on his way out. <laughs> but. Yeah. Where I would like to see him go and it won't happen uh, is Indiana. I'd like to see Miles Turner and some other pieces go to New York. Randall come to Indiana. Indiana keeps Sabonis. I cannot believe they're even entertaining trading Sabonis. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'd love to see Randall and Sabonis playing together. I think they're different enough they could make it work um, with Carlisle there. I don't know what else they'd have to give up other than Turner, but um, you know, to me, that's a, that'd be a fun fit because you've got you you could keep Sabonis there. You could keep they need to get rid of Karis LeVert. Anyway, let's talk about Indiana. Um, <laughs> Indiana. So I, I started. I, I lived in Indiana for three years uh, before I moved to Kentucky, and that was good night a long time ago now. But uh, so I started following the Pacers because I felt like I needed some sort of tie to the state of Indiana because I didn't really, I cheered for Peyton Manning, but not the Colts. Anyways, Pacers, they've got a ton of guys that it seems like they're ready to let go of. Karis LeVert hasn't, you know, he had some health issues, but he hasn't been able to do what they were hoping he could do. Sabonis to me is bona fide all-star. Uh, they should hold on to him as tight as possible. But it seems like they're listening to offers. Miles Turner, he's been, they've been trying to get rid of him for three years. I like what he can bring to a to a contending team. Uh, Brogdon has health issues, but he's really good when he's on the floor. It, it kind of feels like the Pacers are trying to blow things up. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Indiana? And I'm assuming they're more sellers than buyers here at the deadline. I would assume they're selling. Not just they had some report that indicated as much uh, a month or so ago, but I don't I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a very clear plan there. The shame is if they're selling. You know, it looks like their most attractive pieces are 
Miles Turner, as you mentioned, and Sabonis. It doesn't look like people want the other pieces in the same kind of way. Like, does someone take Karis LeVert? Yeah, but they really want Sabonis, right? Does someone take, I don't know, whomever. They really want a Sabonis. And I think that's why if you are Indiana and you're looking to sell and bottom out, because they're, I think, second or third from the bottom in the East right now. Um, if you're looking to bottom out, that's why you entertain the Sabonis offer, right? Is because it's going to get you the most return. If you're looking for draft capital or young talent or whatever, it's going to get you the most return. The funny thing as a Houston guy is Turner and Christian Wood are kind of considered the top two like traditional or, you know, six ten plus type guys on the market right now. And it's which one's going to go first and which one's going to, you know, kind of set the market for the other. Um, I would say Turner's probably a little bit better. So if, you know, Wood goes first, I would expect a little bit more expensive package for Turner or vice versa. Um, but I, I look at Indiana and think not only do they need to sell, like they need to get Carlisle type guys. Carlisle is a very old school coach. That was this clash of Luca, right? Was he wanted ball movement and old school like basketball. And Luca wants to run the isolation type of stuff where he gets the ball and dominates the ball a lot more. Um, and so I would wonder, does that mean do that in the draft? Are you looking to go get, you know, those kind of guards across the league? Does that mean you're trying to go get a buddy healed? <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't know how they plan on doing that, but this is not a team that was built for Carlisle. Right. And so right. I, I think it's worth pointing out that Sabonis is their most expensive piece or their piece that I get the most back in. They seem to like the young guy, Chris Duarte. Um, I don't yeah. know how much of them you've watched, but I think he fits like a Carlisle system and he's kind of at six, what is he, six, seven? Like he could be mm-hmm. a three, he could be a two. Um, so maybe, maybe they hold on to that. TJ McConnell kind of fits a Carlisle type system off the bench. I don't think he's a starter on a good team though. Um, so, you know, what do they fill in around with that? Uh I, I don't know where their pieces end up. I've been paying attention to like what Turner's prices are because I'm interested in Christian Wood's price. Yeah. But it feels like they've got to sell Sabonis because he's the one no one else no one else no one wants Tory Craig. Right. <laughs> like, 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 like just they just don't. Like and, and unfortunately yeah. that's just the way it goes. Um he's really good though. I think I think you're right. He's an all-star through and through. He's just he's what people want. Yeah, I mean, he's got the bloodline to go with the talent. Uh, there's so much there. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. They Earlier, or I think maybe Monday or Tuesday last week, they had a lineup of basically, I think it was four rookies. Yeah, and Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky got his first start of, the, of his of his career and went off. And, like, all of a sudden you're going, well, maybe they got some guys back there that if they, they do trade off Sabonis, maybe they at least have people who can play and they wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be a complete nosedive you're going to step backwards if you get rid of Sabonis, but it'll be interesting. And I'm surprised they haven't had more success. I thought Carlisle would be a good fit with the, the roster they had, but of course, Brogdon's health issues doesn't help, doesn't help that a whole lot either. I thought he could make things work, but nonetheless, uh, Parker, I've kept you longer than I, than I, than I meant to. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Parker Ainsworth, he writes at bellyupsports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Painsworth 512. That's P Ainsworth uh, 512. And you can always catch him on Belly Up Sports and catch his podcast, FN Sports Podcast. Uh, you can get it anywhere you get your podcast as well uh, from there. Parker, thank you so much for being on with us and talking basketball. We always enjoy having you on. Thanks for having me on, Vince. Not a problem. When we come back, we will close out the episode today. And we'll be right back after a quick word talking about the Sports Podcast Awards. What's going on, Belly Up Sports fans? Thanks for tuning in to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We have some really exciting news for several Belly Up Podcast Network shows. The Sports Stove Podcast, the Rough Cut Sportscast, and Here in Puckburg have all been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com and make sure to vote for the Sports Stove Podcast for Best College Sports Podcast and Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. Vote for the Rough Cut Sportscast for Best American Football Podcast and vote for Here in Puckford for Best Winter Sports Podcast. Again, that website is sportspodcastawards.com. Thanks for being the best part of Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's Sports Stove Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Parker Ainsworth, for doing his part on the show, talking NBA trade deadlines, and Dad joining me as well. Follow us on social media at Sports Stove, and uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. Catch us Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, all new episodes each of those days as well. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hey, good